Hey guys, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast, where you will be inspired, encouraged, and transformed with powerful teachings and real stories of mental health. This podcast is not a substitute for counseling. If you are in a crisis, call or text your local crisis center or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org. Jesus is in our mental health, and freedom is where we start. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, licensed marriage and family therapist. Get ready. Today's show is going to bring you hope. Hello, and welcome to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. I am your host, Heidi Mortensen, licensed marriage and family therapist. And I am thrilled to have with me Dr. Alexander Pagani. He has so much extensive experience, um, research. He has two books. One I'm going to be kind of more pushing on today, but a best-selling book that he's had on deliverance. um, And then he just wrote one on on generational curses. So I'm super honored and excited to have him with me. He is actually one of the demon slayers. I have been surprised to hear about some people have never even heard of that. So just Google it and you'll find awesome interviews and topics that you can really learn about kind of questions that I think a lot of us wonder about. And we we're, don't know how to find the answers because there's many people in the church that are not sure about all this stuff. Um, so thank you, Dr. Pagani, for being on and welcome. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm excited about this particular conversation. So I'm hoping that we can push the edge today with <laughs> you and the questions and your viewers and listeners. So let's jump right in. I'm excited. Thank you for having me on. Absolutely. And so I would love to actually start with you to share your testimony. You know, I know that you had a pretty powerful testimony and how you even know Jesus. Um, so share that before you kind of before you got into ministry. Well, I come from, you know, a single parent home in the 1970s. You know, I'm about to be 50 years old. So I grew up in the uh, stereotypical single parent home in the South Bronx, early 70s. So all the documentaries concerning the Bronx uh, during that era, I actually was born and raised in that. So I was born and raised in gang drug culture. Led to me getting arrested at the age of, I think about 12 years old. By 14, I was already serving one year in a juvenile detention center. And then by the age of maybe 16, I was already facing 21 years in prison. Hmm. Ended up taking a nine-year prison sentence in about maybe the first or second year in my prison sentence, Jesus Christ came in my cell. I had a supernatural encounter uh, with the Lord in prison as the direct result of Christian correctional officers that were kind of evangelizing to me. And just to let your viewers know just kind of how bad I really was, I used to smoke Bible paper. I used to smoke Bible paper in the prison when I was not living, you know, not living right, you know, Uh ended up up converting. And then when I converted, began to live my prison experience behind uh, prison walls. And then, well, here I am many, 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 many years later. I'm serving the Lord and never thought I would be preaching the ministry of deliverance, but here we are. And now we've written many books on the ministry of deliverance. Yeah. And you, you are, um, you and your wife have a church called amazing church in Bronx, New York. And you, yeah, you have two books that you have written Well, the first one is called the secrets of deliverance, which got to be more well-known. I mean, I think it was already a bestseller, um, but from the book or not the book, but the movie come out in Jesus name um, by pastor Greg Locke. You were one of the, the people that he had highlighted in the movie. And 
I mean, I'd love it if you could talk a little bit about before we kind of get into the secrets of generational curses about deliverance. And because I've talked a little bit about deliverance on my show, I when I first learned about it, I was like, well, Jesus says we should do it. So why not? Like, and then I found out that so many people in the church don't believe that it's real. Or I, I was confused as a therapist and then crossing over to learn about what Jesus says. I was confused at why this is why it's like it's a hidden thing. And because I see people who are struggling, they got plenty of them sitting on their shoulder and strangling them in my office. Um, So tell me a little bit about how you kind of got into deliverance ministry. Well, Well, first and foremost, I always like to start off saying that the reason why I'm effective in deliverance is not because I'm special. It's because I'm deliverance's number one client. (laughs) Yeah, so I got set free. I was a pastor of a thriving church during the, I would call it the advent or the era where uh, Mm. modern technology kind of hit the church. I've been pastoring for 19 years. So when we first started pastoring, there was no internet, there was no social media. And then cell phones, uh, this little little invention came into the hands of the average uh, member. And I watched the spiritual climate of our church shift. It went Mm. from you know, just, you know, a normal Christian church to um, a heaviness, uh, deep sexual perversion just kind of hit the church because now pornography was being sent to our uh, our cell phones. So in my quest in trying to help my uh, members get set free, I ended up getting uh, addicted to porn to some degree as a pastor. Now, I wasn't like binged on it, uh, but in trying to help them getting my hands dirty, I ended up getting gripped with it. So Here's what's funny is I used to preach against the ministry of deliverance. I taught against it. I did Bible study. My biblical seminary did not allow me uh, to adhere to that a Christian could have a demon. So I was demonized telling God that I wasn't demonized. So I was preaching against a Christian having a demon, yet I had a demon. So that's kind of like a like a really weird paradox. But here's what I love about uh, desperation. Desperation, I think, is the greatest gift against mm. against rigidity. Come on, yes. And you're yes. stubborn, but when you get desperate, you begin to become a little bit more flexible. So I entered the ministry <laughs> of deliverance saying this, okay, Lord, I don't believe in this ministry of deliverance, but I'm doing everything right. And one thing I do know, Lord, is as your pastor to shepherd over these people, I, I, I want them free and, mm-hmm. I, and I'm doing everything right. Nothing is working, Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go down this trail of deliverance. And if this is not of you, you're going to have to stop me because I'm going down that trail. So uh, I ended up going down that trail. Well, here I am. All these years. Yeah. Still doing it. Didn't think I'd be writing two bestsellers <laughs> on deliverance being featured in the movie. So I think yeah. the movie that was uh, really Greg's lock story of, of transferring and uh, coming out of cessationalism into yeah. continuationism, I was kind of like in the same boat, but I was a Pentecostal cessationalist. Mm-hmm. So I believed in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, infilling of the Holy oh. Spirit. But for some reason, I just didn't really believe in this level of spiritual warfare. I knew the devil existed. So it's kind of like a hostile uh-huh. cessationist, if I can yeah. use the term. That's... So our stories are kind of similar. Wrote yeah. the book, didn't know that in his journey of embracing um, continuationism, you know, today for today, for the average Christian, he would be given a copy of my book, which revolutionized him because when I wrote this book, my first book, The Secrets to Deliverance, I wrote it from a pastor's perspective with pastors and good Bereans 
in mm-hmm. mind, which means the average Christian is taught not to be experience driven, but theologically driven. So if we're trying to convince someone to embrace something, then we shouldn't try to convince them experientially. We should try to convince them doctrinally. Yeah. So that's yeah. what I had. Well, it became the catalyst for at least a, a major thrust for the movie. Mm-hmm. And then it led to the sequel, The Secrets to Generational Curses. So, you know, it's just, it's just a gumbo and a buffet of multiple experiences that led to this point. And I'm excited about what's going and it's And I'm still growing in this. I'm actually still growing in it. But we're yeah. watching... We're having phenomenal results and we're watching multitudes get delivered and set free. Yeah. And I I have to say, after reading both of your books, there was so much that it was revelation that I, it was so like too much for me. And I think that you have been ahead of your time for a very long time. Amen. And I don't think, I think it's too much for many people who are in ministry And I think it's why it's hard for people to accept what you're saying, because the revelation is so far advanced is what I would say. Like, I think it's, you know, you know, like I got a word once that someone, they, this woman told me that I was to preach and I was like, "Eh, what? Like, I'm not thinking about preaching. I'm not wanting, you know, like I'm just a mom with the therapy business. And you know, I don't, that's not what I'm asking for. It was too much for me at the time, but I've now stepped into that. And I feel like what you're speaking to in both of these books is too much for some of us. So <laughs> how can we, and, and I mean this, like, could you even like maybe pray for us to, to be open to what the Holy Spirit is trying to teach us through the revelations that you have gotten? Because we are a hurting people right now and we need the, the messages that you have. Okay, so here's what I'm going to, give your listeners as concerning advanced revelation that is not understood at this present moment. I'm going to do nothing. And I'm going to tell you why I'm going to tell you why Jesus told the apostles, what I am saying now, you don't understand, but the time is coming when you will. Mm. I think that we should give it to the body of Christ regardless and allow the Holy Spirit to do the assimilation. Mm -hmm. As Christians grow in their Mm -hmm. maturation, it'll be a continual uh, sequence of aha moments. Like, oh, oh, I understood that. Oh, I understood that. Oh, wow, I understood that again. Why? Because I believe the body of Christ is ready. If we don't give it to them the mm-hmm. way that it is now, mm-hmm. then the body of Christ will stay in a perpetual state of arrested development theologically. Mm-hmm. And the American evangelical church will stay in this youthful <laughs> living room preschool mentality. Most of modern American evangelicalism is very youth oriented and very uh, childlike in its presentation. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to help your viewers even understand what I'm saying is, is that, so the emphasis is a lot about youth and children and amen. We have to emphasize that. What happens is this, when they grow up, they, they become pastors of churches still being youth pastors in their minds. Uh. So they never really grew up. There's this always perpetual state of keeping things always joking and, you yeah. know, and youthful and its orientation. I say, give it to them the way that it is as mm-hmm. they grow the Holy Spirit will point out things and they will remember. Mm. Oh man, I read this in Pagani's book. 
two years ago. Oh, it makes sense now. And, and why is it like that? Because in the kingdom, according to, see, you got me preaching. Sis, you got me preaching. You got me preaching. <laughs> okay. In the kingdom, Matthew chapter 13, in a nutshell, says this. I'm going to give you the essence of this whole chapter. Nothing is yours until you discover it. That's it. When you discover it, boom, the upgrade happens. Why? Because it is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but it is the glory of kings to search the matter out. Mm -hmm. If I can pray for your viewers is this, hmm. strap on your seatbelt and don't get off the train. Come on. Stay on the train, even if it sounds like this. Charlie Brown teacher, which means I have no idea what he's talking about. Stay on the train. Yeah. Eventually it will go from wah, 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 and then you'll begin to hear words. Why? First Corinthians chapter 13 says, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I reasoned as a child. When I became a man, I put away and I decree that you are entering into a putting away season where God is going to strip away your arrested development. And you're going to find yourself exponentially growing if you don't run from the meat and the potatoes and the broccoli and the veggies that you need now, even though it don't taste good. Eat it anyway. Your body needs the nourishment in Jesus mighty name. <laughs> you, this is so good. And you, you walk in the fruits of the spirit because what I hear is such trust that you have for people. Like you believe in them and you believe in the Holy Spirit's work in them. You don't have that. I don't, I'm going to use the word witchcraft, but kind of controlling, we got to control the body or we got to control people because we can't have this and we can't have that. And the reason why I think is because you've done your own work, Dr. Pagani, right. you have done your own work. And this is what I say to therapists is that we have to do our own work for me to be a good therapist. I've got to go to my own therapy. I've got to go to inner healing and deliverance so I can better help people. I can't be a mess at home and then come to the office. And that's the same thing with pastors. And right. I honor that you can say, I'm, you know, I'm a student of this and that you've experienced your own deliverance. So now you can go in biblically and get the revelation from also from that experience of what, and this is where I think we, we need more people in leadership, people, pa pastors, and even just people in leadership in any ministry doing their own work, their own inner healing, their own deliverance, and not being, you know, prideful that they don't need to do this stuff. Right. You know, I think, you know, I'm always thinking about myself and others. Ha had I been in the crowd under this particular teacher, mm. I wouldn't want them to hold back because they assume I'm not ready. I wouldn't want, give me the information. Oh, that's a good word. Yeah, I don't assume that I'm not ready simply because maybe the social consciousness of the environment uh, alludes to, uh, I don't know if they're not ready. No, there's some of us in the crowd, we're ready. We're ready. Yeah. And, and even if I don't understand, that's a good I'm word. ready, which is why, which yeah. is why I believe that I believe the body of Christ is ready for this book, mm -hmm. The Secrets to Generational Curses, because I'm able to infuse scientific breakthroughs as concerning hereditary patterns of behavior or hereditary sins, whichever, whichever works for your listeners, you know, because I know they might be triggered by the word generational curses and think it's some sort of sensationalism or something, you know, but there is a premise where there is 
theological breakthrough, like scientific breakthrough, where there is information out there to verify and substantiate that the claims in the scripture are authentic and not some sort of Pentecostal gumbo of sensationalism from some sort of erroneous teachers that are, you know, you know, ill-informed, Ill you know, and looking to control God's people through some sort of archaic version of church or whatever that may be. No, there, there's a premise that generational curses still exist for the Christian today. Yeah, and I actually recently read a book that proves this, and it is not a Christian book. So if anybody wants to get this book, it's called It Didn't Start With You by Mark Wolin. And in his book, so he's not a Christian, not a Christian book, he actually puts in a couple Bible verses that actually prove what he's talking about. One was Numbers 14, 18, about that the Lord is slow to anger, filled with unfailing love, forgiving every kind of sin and rebellion, but he doesn't excuse the guilty, the sins of the parents upon the children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generation. And he literally is like, to me, identifying a generational curse through this book. And he used this word, which similar to a word that you've used, but he called it transgenerational epigenetic inheritance. Woo, that's good stuff right there. Sir, if you are watching, we got to find him and let him watch this interview. <laughs> Sir, if you are watching, you need to find me because- yes. Just that word sounds like like a church word for me to have some it, church with it. My Lord Jesus, what a word. Say it again. What's the name? Yes. So transgenerational epigenetic uh -huh. inheritance. My and God. He talked about the compounding effect across generations that the stress of a grandmother can be passed to the stress of a mother Ooh. and to the granddaughter. And he had scientific evidence uh, of uh, even where there's like like phantom phantom issues where and again see but see i feel like a lot of like even if you read the book you'd be like oh i dealt with that i dealt with that i dealt with that and I call them, i've dealt with phantom demons which means there's nothing there but they think there's something there so we call those phantom spirits but go ahead yeah i mean but where even somebody that so when he says it didn't start with you you literally can pull and i'm just saying this from the book so i want i'd love for you to actually talk about what you talk about in your book from what i'm saying that you, you could have like a, a great grandparent that you've never met who suffered in the Holocaust, for example. And here is this granddaughter, great granddaughter who's struggling with not being able to breathe and wanting to isolate and come to find out her great, great grandfather's, you know, was in the concentration camps and couldn't breathe and use the same language and the same emotions that literally needed to go back and release what had happened to the great grandmother, grandfather, that it wasn't even that person. It was, it didn't start with you. And so we can, this is what the book kind of talked about. So I'd love for you to talk about what you say about generational curses in your book and how um, because it's it's science and and you're so I want to just really commend you for writing this and the details of how you broke this down. But I'd, I'd love for you to just kind of share about about kind of the generalization of what you have from your book. Well, first and foremost, I love the terminology uh, that that particular author said. And you know what? I'd never heard of him. And I'm going to buy that book just to get excited to see the power, the, the scientific and spiritual parallels. I think we're saying the same things to different audiences. I think okay. so too. The first thing we need to understand is God is a generational God. 
even within his name. He's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So right there, it already establishes transgenerational. As a matter of fact, that's one of his main names, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Hmm. Second thing, he refers to himself as that and many times in dealing with them individually, he'll say, I am the God of your forefather. There it is again. So God is dealing uh, with bloodlines and issues. Also, the Apostle Paul in the New Testament, in regards to dealing with Timothy, he said, I know that you're going to be a good spiritual son because the faith that's in you didn't start with you. It was in your mother and it was also in your grandmother, Louise. So now we see uh, that Paul, I don't think Paul had an understanding thoroughly of what we're talking about, but he understood spiritually that he was the that genetically or pedigree or spiritual pedigree was in was in there because of track record between three generations before of his grandmother uh, being one of the early disciples and then his mother and then him. So by the time his selection of who could I find could carry on this, I need someone who I can entrust this ministry to who is not, who I'm not inheriting a mess. He was inheriting a blessing, you know? And I talk about that extensively in the book, but chapter two, I go right into, the first Mm -hmm. chapter of the book is demystifying generational curses for the Christian church. That's me debunking those who debunk generational curses. That's for the heresy hunters, right? The second chapter, I go into human wiring and epigenetic modification. Now, for those of you that are watching, epigenetics is the scientific discovery you could go look this up. It's a real thing, um, both in humans and in animals. With animals, it, it, it lends itself toward cognitive recognition. This is, this is how we domesticate animals. This is how we domesticate wild animals uh, to becoming tame through fear and food and then domesticating them to be man's best friend, dog. It's through uh, epigenetic modification. Now, in the humans, it's a little bit different because we have reasoning and then we have our spirit, you know, and it gets a little, you know, we, we're not driven by instinct instinct like animals are, but the information is the same. Epigenetics is what tells your cells how to function based on the information that is being, that it's receiving and the histones uh, in your genes program your cells how to react. Once your cells learn how to react, the histones don't need to keep telling it to keep doing it because now by nature, you just do it without the temptation or without external forces telling you to do it. Mm-hmm. Now here's what happens. Just like animals, should the human procreate or reproduce through procreation, that information is stored in the cells and then it's transferred to the next generation and continues to grow as the external forces keep giving it information in this particular area and will continue in each bloodline as the the human or that family continues to procreate and it gets stronger and stronger and stronger. Let me give you an example of this. So uh, David said, in sin that my mother conceived me, right? Now, what I'm gonna tell your viewers, without getting too deep in theological, in biblical seminaries, it is believed. Now, I'm not saying that it is, but it is believed. And maybe this is the first time for your viewers to actually hear this, is this. It is believed through speculation that David might have been the direct result of an affair with Jesse, his father. This is the reason why when Samuel came, they teach this in Bible schools, right? But they're telling you it's not scriptural, it's speculative based on what David said here, right? So watch this. So when Samuel says, uh, bring me your sons, obviously we know the story. He didn't bring his son, uh, uh, David, until the prophet said, wait a second, God told me you have another son. Oh, I have another son. 
So long story short is this. What you fail to correct in one generation will grow in the next one. Amen. So let's That's say it. that so, so let's say that 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 speculation is real. Mm -hmm. and it makes sense why Jesus will refer to himself as I'm the root of Jesse. Now, why would he say Jesse and bypass David and Solomon and all those? Why? Because Jesus wants to identify with the root of the problem. Now, watch this. So let's say Jesse did mess up in one time. I'm not saying that he did, but let's just use speculation. Watch this to, to prove this point. Okay, so Jesse messes up once, but doesn't fix it. The lust problem grows in his son, David. So Jesse messes up once, David messes up a couple of times and Solomon loses control when it comes yeah. to the area of lust. Do you see how it grew with each yeah. so, yes. so that is epigenetic modification. So yeah. my view of being born that way has changed. I used to preach against that. Mm. I am now under the premise that a person can be genetically predisposed through the cells in their body, born that way, waiting yeah. for the right conditions. Now you know why Jesus said you must be born again. Or Titus chapter 3 says, washing of regeneration or regenerations, mm. which means your genes need to be washed. Wow. Oh, Whoa. Come on. Wow. I'm going to leave it there. Mic, mic drop moment. <laughs> to God be the glory. <laughs> wow. That is so good. So, so you just talked about inheritance, how we can get generational curses through inheritance. In your book, you talk about we also can get generational curses from ignorance and yes. then also from invitation. Right. And I'm wondering if you can kind of talk about that. Like, how do we, how do, how do curses happen? How do generational curses happen? Okay. So first let's establish, because I can see and hear your viewers who are good Bereans and theologians <laughs> saying, uh, there's no such thing as generational curses, my brother. Amen. Okay, so we got a problem here. Why do Christians still die? Why do Christians still die? I'm talking about literally die. Hmm. Like, because J Jesus broke the power of sin, not the presence of sin. Jesus broke the power of death, not wow. the presence of death. Jesus broke the power of the curse, not the presence of curses. Why? We still die because we're still under a generational curse. Like, come on, wow. like, we, we attend funerals because we still have generational curses. Active. Wow. You see how you see how it works? Okay, so how does a believer actually activate? Well, one in chapter one of my book, The Secrets to Generational Curses, I call the arch nemesis to the revelation of generational curses is what I call misinformation. It's, I just believe there's so much misinformation that's out there. And I even get into disinformation, which is intentionally trying to deceive people. Yes. And them yes. But yes. I say, watch this. Satan will meet you at your place of ignorance. Ooh. What you don't know, it can kill you. There's no way around that. The same is with life. You don't know you got cancer. Doesn't mean cancer isn't existing in your body. You need to get checked up. Wow. So Satan will meet you at your place of ignorance. And this is why he is perpetuating the church to always keep the, the average believer in a place of arrested development. My people perish for what? Lack of, of knowledge. Of knowledge. That's it. 
That's mm -hmm. it, lack of knowledge. Okay, so how does this happen? When you're ignorant, then you can, without realizing it, even as a believer, activate a curse without realizing it. Why? Because the curse doesn't come without a cause. Now, let me just say this. This is not a salvation issue. Even if a Christian has a generational curse, you're still going to heaven. This yeah. has nothing to do with salvation. This has nothing to do with you're going to go end up in hell. No. Yeah. Generational curses will cause hell on earth, not hell yeah. in eternity. So yeah. let's just, let me just throw that out there. So I choose to not believe in generational curses. Amen. You're still going to go to heaven. Oh, Pastor, I got a generational curse. You're still going to heaven. If the yeah. rapture happens, you're still going to heaven with the curse and all. As a matter of fact, the curse leaves because the curse stays here. You go to heaven. Amen. See what I'm mm -hmm. Okay. So yep. how does this happen? Very simple. Because of ignorance. In something that you do. So number one, there are certain sins in scripture that can produce a generational curse. Yeah. Number one is idolatry. Without realizing it, you steer off into idolatry. Substituting God as number one to something else can produce a generational curse. Can't produce yep. a generational curse. Yep. Number two is this witchcraft. And you're probably saying a Christian wouldn't dare touch witchcraft. Yeah, but they touch yoga mm -hmm. and they touch new age. Don't mess with me. This is a, this pass mm -hmm. the money. I'm gonna be in your face. I'm from New York City, right? Yes. <laughs> you got Christians, you know, doing pressure points and lotus. You're opening yourself up to that, you know, mm -hmm. up to that, up to that stuff. Um, word curses, which mm -hmm. means people of authority that are 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 supposed to be our shepherds and our guardians yeah a measure of authority over our life speaking word curses so parent it does matter what you tell your children pastor and leader it does matter what you tell your parishioner so be yeah. careful that even though you disagree with a certain church member leaving your church to go to the church when you say things like this pastor and leader and i'm hoping that the pastor leaders watching me don't do this but there's mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. Oh, you won't survive out of this church six months. Saying things like that, you know, that relationship yeah. will last. Well, your words, your words have power. Second, yeah. another another reason why you could get cursed is you're blessed, but you partner or marry someone that's cursed. So sometimes you get cursed mm -hmm. through wrong partnerships. So it does matter, Christian entrepreneur, who you do business with. It does matter, regular Christian. Mm -hmm who you marry. It does matter, uh, Christian, looking for a new church, what church you join, because you could be blessed, but the church could be cursed, or that pastor could not be walking right. So you partner into, you partner into a curse. And then there are a, a long list of others, dishonor. Mm. Dishonor to dignitaries, either in the kingdom or in real life, can produce yep. a curse. If you dishonor father and mother, produces a curse of death over you. You dishonor spiritual dignitaries, touch not my anointed, do my yep. prophets no harm. God will begin to initiate a curse. You see what I'm saying? So there yeah. are many different ways, and I talk about it in my book. I don't want to give all the juicy stuff away, but you got to <laughs> You gotta go pick his other secrets and generational curses to get the rest. But ignorance is by far the number one way that I find that Christians, without a shadow of a doubt, mm. get themselves cursed or need deliverance from the demonic. So I I would love to turn a little bit right now and actually talk about your experience with what you see from mental health. Because what I'm hearing right now. Like when I hear somebody who's dishonoring or struggling with a, a sin that they're not, you know, really, eh, 
it's kind of, it's to me, I see it as like their coping skill, like, or not skill, but it's their way of coping from trauma. It's their way from coping of, you know, I'm in a dishonor authority because my dad was abusive to me. And so why would I honor him when he hurt me? Um, so can you talk about how I, I'd even say kind of the mental health and even just the deliverance comes into this because you also talk about in the book, the generational curse doesn't get like broken overnight. Like it takes time, like, and you got to get at the root and, and you can't just like, poof, it's, it's gone. It's out. And, um, and you also talk about that deliverance is a legal exchange. It's not this like spiritual experience. So can you talk about kind of your experience with what you've seen in like mental health with trauma um, and bringing in deliverance in those places? Well, the first thing I want to say is this, is that psychiatrists, psychologists, and pastors were all on the same team. Amen. Paul said, I pray that you would be healed, spirit, soul, and body, which means uh, God is mindful of holistic healing, W-H-O-L-L-Y, holistic healing, which means healing through medicinal means, should it need that. I am for that. Believe it or not, I am for that. Mm -hmm. If and when um, the Christian's conscience is okay with taking it, you know, that's your, that, that's your preference, yep. right? If, yep. it works, if it works, it works. Yeah. I'm not against that. Right. Cause when I get a headache, I don't bind the spirit of migraine. I take a Tylenol. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, Oh, I drink some water and I get some rest. See what I'm saying? Yeah. Also, also some stuff you can't, can't, you can't cast out. You got to counsel through. So Come sometimes on. you got to talk it out. You got to yep. talk it out. Sometimes yep. in the different sessions, in the first so five good. minutes, someone talking, talking before we even start, I see a measure of freedom. What I am presenting is, is don't exclude the spiritual component of the holistic healing that, will, that God wants to provide uh, for the person. What I have found is this, is, is that I believe that there is a percentage. That's my frustration that because of the sensationalism and you know of bad religious institutions and the and the perpetuation of a lot long years of misdiagnosis by the church of saying this yeah. is a demon and it really was a mental illness issue i think just the medical you know profession it just has a disdain towards the church even though they respect it i just think there's like this, this there's this battle mm -hmm. that's going on there but yep. no um i'm going to give you an example i'm going to use an analogy the the breastplate and the garb the garment of the high priest was interwoven by three three colors and three layers of fabric this is why the bible says a threefold cord is not easily broken i believe that these three represent obviously the father son and the holy spirit but it also represents psychiatrists psychologists and pastors all three are needed and it says that they're interwoven so when the high priest comes into medicine to bless god's people whether you're a pastor you should also be thinking everything is not a demon and everything is not a counseling they might need you they might need to get some medicine as a psychologist a psychologist you should mm -hmm. be thinking Everything is not, you know, uh, talking them through. They, they might need, they might need prayer. They mm -hmm. might need somebody to pray for them. You know, yeah. I think all are interwoven. And if we would follow God's blueprint, the Bible says the threefold cord is not easily broken. You mm -hmm. find the same thing with the three colors, red, blue, and crimp and purple. 
in the breastplate of the high priest. You find it says, mm. when you tie it together, the Bible says, tie with a, a knot of three. So you find like this intertwining of wow. all of these three. I believe that if we would all just follow God's blueprint, the, the high priest represents the, the mediator between God wanting to help people. So the mm. priest is the mediator between the people and the solution. Let's just use it that way. The problem in the solution, the people has the problem. The solution is the solution or God himself is the answer, right? Yeah. The, per the intermediary person, whether you're a psychologist, whether you're a pastor or whether you're a psychiatrist, we're to help. If we have a threefold cord worldview and paradigm, we will find that we would see help. So in our church, there was a season last year where we decided to focus we dedicated one month on mental illness. It extended itself for four months because soon as we started talking about it, it I'm broke, so happy about that. That's so broke, cool. Yeah, it broke open in the church. And yeah. I, I just felt, and we did this in midweek Bible study. I said, let's just keep going until, so we did panels. We had therapists come in and we we also talked about the spiritual component of it. And it we, we, we exhaustively tackled it for four months. We started off in one month. And we've seen, we saw some aha moments where you had the super spiritualist saying, you know what? Maybe everything is not a demon, you know? And then you had those that said, <laughs> nothing is a demon. Say, you know what? Maybe this is demonic, you know? And we're still working on it because I believe that all three groups make a large component of our churches. And I just think everyone is stubborn in their own view or has their own liking and, and really don't really want to consider the other, but mm -hmm. we are forcibly mm -hmm. into interwoving a new embroidery of the church. So pastor leader, if you're watching, right. God wants to create a new fabric. This is why the Bible says, watch this. I'm gonna show you something. We, we love to talk about old wineskin, but the next verse talks about old fabric. Man, those of you that are watching, I'm revelating right now. The Holy Spirit is actually giving me this just for you. It says you can't sew a new patch on an old fabric. See what I'm saying? So God wants to Whoa. create a whole new sewing method so that way it doesn't tear away from the new garment and both are preserved. I think both I think all three are I think all three are needed. It's just that right now we're learning to get along, to go along. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we need the revelation from one another. Because when I, like, I see a lot of therapists that, you know, and I supervise and I'll hear stories that they'll tell me about, you know, I'm seeing dark things in my room and I'm like, okay, you know, you're seeing something. I, and, and if they're able to learn about the spiritual realm and be taught what to do about that, they could get freedom. But ethically we're bound. Like there's a lot of things in my licensure that I, I have to like honor the clients and if, you know, I can lose my license if I do this and that. And I'm like, I just want to help these people. I don't, I, I don't want to be adhering to, you know, I want to be honoring, but it's, I mean, this is where the line I think can get really hard and um, where some people then just go into ministry and that that's a whole other conversation. But I, I appreciate you bringing this up because I think it's keeping more people in bondage that, we're not crossing over and getting the revelation from one another. Well, I think so. this is the reason why going back to the, your initial statement at the beginning of the interview, which is why, you know, you're the first one to actually really say to me, you know, your books are so futuristic in its 
theological presentation, I think books like The Secrets of Generational Curses and others that are out there, other resources, actually might be ahead of their time. So when the body of Christ is ready to explore those areas, yeah. those, these resources had already been released on the earth. And this is the reason why I would encourage you to read every resource you can on uh, generational curses, but specifically this one right here, The Secrets to Generational yes. Curses. Yes. It's available on Amazon, go get it. And I deal with this and tackle this in almost every every chapter, but specifically chapter, at least chapter two, Mm -hmm. and chapter and chapter five the algorithm and evolution of curses i really tackle what we're talking about today yeah and at the end you talk about how to get free and how to stay free you know i would i would love for you to just kind of share like what what would you say is like the most important thing that you want to leave us with that you would say this is what's most important from this book we're, we're gonna go out and get it what do they want what do you want to leave them with reconsideration that's all i'm asking which means when you read the book, I want you to reconsider your worldviews concerning these particular topics. I'm not okay. trying to convince you. Yeah. I'm not trying to change your mind. The Bible says, let each one be persuaded in their own mind. That's Romans chapter 14. But what I am saying is this, if there is a, a spark of reconsideration, then you're going to find that that little spark of reconsideration there's a generation of people hiding in that spark that god is saying that glimmer of hope and you know what i'm going to reconsider this idea of generational curses there might be something in that you're going to find that if you at least reconsider the bible is going to actually tells you he will open your eyes to the harvest so that you see that there's already a field of people white for the harvest wow. now it's not going to be for everybody but you're going to find the moment you say you know huh you know you know this 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 book really had me reconsider this topic of generational curses you know what maybe there is there's something to it when you do that the veil gets opened a little bit more and then you're going to be like oh my god so god is going to lead people to you or people that uh, have already been there wow. and you're going to say oh my god i think this person that i'm dealing with I think they might be dealing with a curse. Yeah. That's all it is. And the reason why I, I'm going to leave it at that mm -hmm. is because if at that point you're not moved with compassion, then you're not called to do what you're called to do. Mm. And it is just a vocation from you and, and really isn't that not what God has purposed for you to do. Because even when I want to get out of deliverance and focus on other things, because I'm a pastor of a real church. I have 300 members in our church. I have 12 churches. Yeah. On the, I want to move on from demons and devils. Yeah. But when, I, <laughs> yeah. when I see people come in that are hurting, mm. the Bible says Jesus was moved with compassion. Mm. If that glimmer of light to see that one or two people doesn't move you to say, you know what, let me explore this with this person. Then maybe, maybe you, you have, you, you have some soul searching to do that. Maybe you're in the wrong vocation and then find what you're really passionate about. And I'm passionate about one thing, biblical truth, kingdom truth that sets the captives free. And number two is setting the captives free people getting free. Yeah. That's it. That's my purpose on this earth. If it all is for this, these two books, specifically this, curses then i'm good like the book of daniel when i later when i'm laid to rest with my forefathers then i know uh let it be written in my tombstone this man impacted this generation with one thought and that would be setting the captives free
So I encourage you to go out and get it. That's what I want you to reconsideration. Just reconsider mm -hmm. what you have been rigid about and say, you know what? Okay, God, I don't know fully, but this young man kind of has me reconsidering. Mm. You watch how the Holy Ghost will anoint that reconsideration. You'll go see the campus free. So good. And how can, besides Amazon, how can our, my listeners find out more about you? Well, I want your viewers to just follow me on two places. Okay. YouTube. Yep and Facebook. Just subscribe to our channels. I am always getting on every other day, uh, either live or uploading content in regards to topics like this. It's not the only thing that we talk about, but primarily we have more of a parachurch online ministry where I predominantly talk about topics like this. Follow, yeah. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Subscribe to us on Facebook but specifically YouTube, and then go pick up this book on Amazon. And here's what I want you to do. Um, buy two copies, one for you and bless someone with a copy and leave a review. Yes. Leave a review so that way Amazon can uh, get the algorithm and can make it trending. Even though right now uh, we've been dominating the charts for about a week and a half. We're number one uh, in multiple categories. So the book is number one, it's a bestseller already, but we wanna keep it perpetually at number one. So that way, by God's grace, we've been told the New York Times has their eye on us. So we've been told by our publishers, by Charisma House, that the New York Times is aware of who we are. Um, so Good. I'm, I'm praying that it becomes a New York Times bestseller. And even if it doesn't, they know who we are. And maybe next time for our third book, um, We'll see what the Lord has for it. But follow me on YouTube and follow me on Facebook. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, make sure to go do that. Follow in both of those places. Purchase the book. Write a review. I definitely know the importance of that. And um, would you be willing to pray for us? Yes. So, yeah. Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking that you would send the Holy Spirit to enlighten and grant her viewers, including her, insight. Father, I am praying, Lord, that you would increase the anointing of insight and revelation to the secrets and the mysteries of the kingdom, Lord. Lord, your word says that you reveal your deep secrets by the Spirit of God, 1 Corinthians. So I'm praying that there would be a increase of the anointing of understanding lord in this particular area so that way lord anything that was shared on this broadcast or anything that they read from either myself or my lovely host who is now my new friend father and sister in christ father lord that there would be a thorough uh assimilation and a resynchronization in their understanding and an upgrade father that's what i'm praying lord that increase and upgrade lord in their level of understanding and father lord remove all the hindrances lord and any fear of the unknown father and send them a tsunami of revelation and insight lord overwhelm them lord with the secrets of the kingdom lord and help them mature into the measure of the stature of the fullness of christ according to ephesians chapter 4 in jesus name we thank you and we ask you, amen and amen. 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 Thank you so much for your wisdom and being on and sharing your heart with our listeners. 
Thanks for listening to the Strong Tower Mental Health Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Your review helps the show reach more people and spread mental health awareness with Jesus at the Center. You can also check me out on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, or my website at HeidiMortensenLMFT.com. See you at our next episode.